The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. All right, today we're going to be talking about the life simulator. Someone say life simulator. Hold your Bible, lift it up real high, shout, this is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I'll learn from God's word and my life will never be the same because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. We're going to be talking about the life simulator. Let's go now to Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26. Genesis chapter number 1 verse 26. <clears throat> and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, and over all the earth, and all, over all creeping things that creepeth upon the earth. Did you see it? So the Bible says God, speaking to the uh, uh, triune God, I believe you're speaking to the Holy Spirit, he said, let us make man in our image. Now, by image, is not talking about your body. By image is talking about your true nature. And we know according to John 4 verse 24 that God is a spirit. And they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. So God is a spirit. So when the scripture says he created you in his image, he created you to be a spirit too. Someone shout I'm a spirit being. Someone shout my body is not who I am. Man, this will take care of all insecurities. When you realize that the real me is my spirit. That's who I am. This will take out all prejudices. Because you realize I'm not male, I'm not female, I'm not black, I'm not white. I'm spirit. Just like God. So God created you and I to be spirit. But there are other parts that are also in existence for us to understand the real you. Let us go to 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. <coughs> Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23. And the Bible says, and may, this is the Apostle Paul preaching, uh, praying again for the church at uh, Thessalonica. He says, and the very God of peace sanctify you holy. Someone say holy. holy. Now, this is the whole you. We are about to find out who you really are. He says, may the God of peace sanctify you holy. And I pray your whole what? Spirit. Someone say spirit. He says, I pray you may sanctify the real you. Your spirit. Your soul. And your body. 
I want you to pay attention to the order of things. He always starts with spirit. I think there's a gym uh, somewhere. I don't remember where. If it's here or it's somewhere. It's, it's called uh, body, soul, and spirit. They got it wrong. Everything starts with the spirit and it flows into the body, not the other way around. But they are priorita- prioritizing the body because I guess they're a gym, right? But for us Christians, the foundation of your life is spirit. And it flows into your soul and into your body. He says, I pray that God sanctify you wholly because you are a tripartite being. In other words, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. Say that after me. I'm a spirit. spirit. I possess a soul. And I live in a body. Man, your spirit is critical because that's the real you. Your spirit is the real you. And the second thing is is your soul. Your soul is where your mind is. This is where your will is. This is where your emotions are. So your soul is your mind, your will, your emotions. God actually gave you a mind because he wanted you to do your own thinking. Hallelujah. And not only did he give you a mind, he also gave you a will because he wanted you to make choices. It's yours. How many of you know that after service today, I'm going ma- to have to make one of the most important decisions in the day. And that is what I'm going to have for lunch. Well, at least it's the most important decision to me. Yeah. And here's the deal. God will have no part to play in it. You know why? Because it's not his taste buds that are going to be digging into that KFC. <laughs> It's mine. So God says, you make the choice. He has given you free will. He has given you the freedom to choose and enjoy the consequences. Man, that's awesome. Because when you dig into that fried chicken, the consequences are great. Man, the taste buds get excited. They start dancing. I like fried chicken. Can I get an amen? (laughs) Oh, yeah, those, those like fried chicken too. And I'm telling you, the consequences belong to me, and I get to make a choice. When I woke up today, getting ready to come to church, I went into my closet, had a few options of which clothes I could wear, and I went into my closet. I didn't see an angel with a flaming sword standing there. and said, thou shalt wear this shirt to church today. Thus says the Lord. No, I didn't. I went in there, and I picked these clothes, and someone, you know, said to me when I walked into the church, they said, hey, Pastor, your clothes don't match. But here's the deal. God Almighty, the angels, the angels in heaven, the host of God in heaven, all of them let me out of the house with clothes that didn't match to come to church. <laughs> you know why? Because God honors your choice. God honors your right to make a choice. And whatever you choose, God will let you have it. If you choose poverty, God will let you have it. If you choose sickness, God will let you have it. You know why? Because he has blessed you with this precious gift. It carries an awesome responsibility, but it's yours. Freedom to choose. And it is in your soul. Man, when you start making choices that are word of God informed, you start releasing and producing life. The third thing we see is the body. The body is your earth suit. You know, like when uh, uh, sea divers go into the sea and they have to wear a sea suit and, you know, with oxygen on their back and so on and so forth for them to uh, live in the sea. Your earth suit is your body. Without your body, you cannot function in the earth realm. Amen? 
And this is why God uses people who are in the earth realm, people who have a body. Both God and the enemy need someone with a body to carry out their duties in the earth realm. When Satan wants to spread a lie, he's not going to drop that lie from somewhere in the spiritual realm into your mind or whatever. He will get someone to actually type it out in an email and press send. Because he needs someone with a body. When God wants to bless you, he's not just going to make money rain in heaven. He says, give and it will come back to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Shall man give unto your bosom. God will find someone with that kind of money and send them over to you to bless you with it. Because both God and Satan need people to carry out their function in the earth realm. But the people have to make that choice that I'm going to be used of God or I'm going to be used of Satan. And some people make that choice subconsciously to just submit themselves to Satan and be used by Satan. Amen? I said amen. Amen. So what happened? How does this apply into my life practically, Pastor T? I'm glad you have asked. When you got born again, here's what transpired. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17 says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away, and everything has become what? New. He says when you get born again, everything became new. Now I have a question for you. If you had false teeth before you got born again, Will you still have false teeth after you get born again? I didn't hear that. But the Bible just said everything became new. I was also expecting some new teeth. How come I didn't get new hair? When I got born again. You know why? Because what became new was not your body. It was your spirit. So by process of elimination... We know that the body didn't become new. Now, if you are stupid before you get born again, will you still be stupid after you get born again? Oh, more for for sure. You know why? Because it wasn't your soul or your mind that became brand new. It was your spirit that became brand new. When you got born again, you got a spirit that is exactly like Jesus' spirit. That's why the Bible says in 1 John 4, 17, as he is, so are we in this world. And here's what's awesome about this spirit. It possesses all life. He put everything that you will ever need to live a victorious, successful life into your spirit. Go with me to Philemon 1 verse 6. If you don't know how to pronounce it, it would be Philemon. (laughs) Philemon. Philemon. 1 verse 6. Let's read Philemon 1 verse 6. Six. Thank you, Jesus. Philemon 1, verse 6. It says that the communication of your faith may become effectual or that your faith may become effective. How does your faith become effective? By acknowledging of every good thing which is in? Come on, I didn't hear that. He says, may your faith become effectual by acknowledging every. Someone say every. How much is left outside of every? Nothing. He says, every good thing is in. Where is every good thing? I didn't hear that. Where be every good husband? I'm about to preach now. 
in you. You know why? Because you create that fool with what you do with your heart. Where is every good wife? In you. Every good thing is on the inside of you. Prosperity is already on the inside of you. Healing is already on the inside of you. Every good thing has been deposited in your spirit. All the gifts of the Holy Ghost are already in you. You don't have to fly five hours to Nigeria. Every good thing is already in you. Can you see how dumb this is? When you're flying five hours to try and get something, that's already on the inside of you. You need to be a fool to do that, to pay money to try and get something that's already on the inside of you. It says every good thing in you, in Christ Jesus. Every good thing has been deposited in your spirit. Let me confirm this with Second Peter chapter number 1, verse 3. Second Peter, chapter number 1, verse 3. Man, this is awesome. Second Peter, chapter number 1, verse 3. It says, His divine power hath, someone say hath, yes. given, someone say given. given. Is that a future or a past tense? He says, every, his divine power hath given, not the divine power is trying to give to us. He says his divine power is given, past tense, unto us how many? Oh. I didn't hear that. Oh. Come on, preach with me. Oh. He says his divine power is given unto us all, all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, he has given you everything that is consistent with a victorious godly life. It's already on the inside of you. Through. Here's how you release it. <laughs> Man, this is good. He has put it here. Everything. But you release it through knowledge. He says, he has given us everything. Through. The channel by which you release it into your life is Knowledge. Through the knowledge of him, through the knowledge of Jesus, that has called us to glory and virtue. Amen? I said amen. amen. So, your spirit has everything that you need that pertains to life and godliness. Now, if, if that is so, what's the problem, Pastor T? I'm glad you've asked. I'm about to answer you. Let's go to Galatians chapter number 5. And we're going to read from verse 16 to 17. Man, this is good. This is awesome. Galatians chapter number. In fact, before we do that, let's read James chapter number 1, verse 21. Let's read James chapter number 1, verse 21, just so you can see this. This this is going to bless you. This is going to blow your mind. James chapter number 1, verse 21. It says, Therefore, lay apart all filthiness and all superfluity of wickedness or naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your what? Which means your soul is not saved. If the word of God carries the ability or the potential to save your soul, you wouldn't have brought it up if your soul was saved, right? Right? 
So your soul is not saved. It needs the word of God for it to be saved. It needs the word of God for it to be renewed. So soul salvation is mind renewal. Soul salvation is getting God's word in your mind. Not just God's word, the engrafted God's word. God has engrafted life and power in his word. Not only that, with meekness. There's a certain attitude to receive God's word. It's called meekness or a teachable spirit. You can't come to God's word with a know-it-all attitude. Because God's word is, is loaded. It is pregnant with facets of revelation. Man, you could read the same scripture today and get a different revelation than you got yesterday. Why? Because all of that potential is loaded in God's word. And it is released to the saving of your soul. Your soul is not saved. Your mind is not saved. That's why you get them negative emotions. All the time. Your will is not saved. That's why you make wrong decisions. But you need those to be saved. How do you get them saved? By submitting to God's word and get your mind renewed. So the real soul salvation is not what you do when you hit the streets. What are we doing? We're winning souls. No, the real soul salvation is mind renewal. It is what we do here every Sunday. We win your soul over to the word of God. We win your soul over to start thinking in line with God's word. Because if we can change the soul, we can change your life forever. Hallelujah. Man, this is good. Galatians chapter number 5 verse 16. Let's see what the problem is and try to fix it. Galatians chapter number 5 verse 16 to 17. This is the apostle Paul writing and he says, This I say then, walk in the spirit. And you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Watch what he says in the next verse. It's about to blow your mind. For the flesh lusts against the spirit. Your body lusts against the spirit of God. Your body is in opposition to the spirit of God. It is in opposition to what God has embedded, not only in your spirit, but even in the spirit of God. Let's go to NIV. Give it to me in the NIV. Let's read it in English. Because some of you are looking at it. Last death. What are you talking about? Let's read it in English. NIV. Let's go to NIV. Uh, uh, verse 17. NIV. Watch what it says. It says, for the flesh desires what is what? To what? So while this dude is saying I'm in pain, let's do opposites. What's the opposite of pain? Joy. <laughs> while this dude is saying I'm sick, what is the opposite of sick? What? Health. Someone said not sick, not sick. That's the, that's the laziest answer to, that I've ever heard in my life. Not sick. Over here, poverty. Not poverty. Pros. Prosperity. Did you see it? So, he's saying, oh man, this is awesome. He says, in the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? They are in conflict with each other. So that you don't do whatever you do, you want to do. Did you see it? So you don't get to do whatever you want to do. Because these cats are fighting, body and spirit. The spirit is saying, I'm in pain. The body is saying, I'm in pain. The spirit is saying, I'm healed. The body is saying, we, we is broke. You know why? Because the body can only relate with these five senses. The body knows what it sees on the bank account. So the body informs you, we do not have money. But the spirit relates to what it sees in God's word. 
And the Spirit is saying, man, we have access to everything that God has because we are heirs in his kingdom. So the question, ladies and gentlemen, to the jury is, who wins? Because these two cats are fighting. Khabib and McGregor. So the question is, who wins? I'll tell you who wins. Whoever the mind votes for. For to be carnally minded is... So if the mind votes for the body, and unfortunately, there's a lot of wrong voting going on, uninformed voting going on, and people constantly vote for the senses. Well, there's a wrong voting going on in real life as well, but over here, there's wrong voting. <laughs> Some of you are like, man, people are voting the wrong way all over the world. Yeah, you're right. But this, man, when your mind votes for what it can see with the senses, you're almost going to lose. You know why? Because almost every time God is about to do a miracle, the odds are stacked against you, and you should never go with what it looks like in the senses. You remember Gideon? Remember the story of Gideon? Gideon was faced with a 135,000 strong army of the Midianites coming to destroy him, and Gideon had 32,000. Let me write these figures down. Some of you can't see it. The Midianites had 135,000. Gideon had 32,000. Which one is more? (laughs) Who do you think might win the battle based on the numbers? If I was doing betting and stacking the odds, this would be four chances to win the battle as to one chance to win the battle. The dude is not winning this one. And if his mind is uninformed, he will vote with the defeat. He would tell his mind, we are done. And unfortunately, as a man thinks in his heart, so easy. Deuteronomy 7, 17. If you say in your heart, these nations are mightier than we, how can I help you? So Gideon decided to vote for the spirit. So he went and inquired of the Lord. And the Lord said to him, Gideon, actually you have too many people in the army. Now you see Galatians 5.17. This dude started saying, Gideon, you're tripping. And this dude here was saying, man, we have more. 32,000 is more than 135,000. The spirit is saying, 32,000. And it's contrary. It's contrary. And you know what God did? God went to Gideon and he said, you have too many people. Tell everyone who's fearful to go home. So Gideon went and stood on the podium and said, if you're afraid, go home. You won't believe this. 22,000 people left. I mean, if I was Gideon, I would say, guys, no, I was playing. No, I was playing. We can take you with your fear. It's okay, please come back. We need as much hands as we can. 32,000 dudes left. He was left with 10,000. And God said, still too many. No, God! Do you know how to count? He says, with 10,000, too many, take them to the brook and get them to drink water. Whoever drinks water with their eyes in the water, or whoever lives life consumed by the activities of life. Drinking water is a necessity. Going to work is a necessity. Running your business is a necessity. But the kingdom requires that you do all of that with your eyes on the kingdom. Not with your eyes on what you have to do. So these cats are drinking water consumed 
in their day-to-day activities. God said, I don't want them. Send them home. 9,700 strong had to be sent home. Gideon is left with 300. And God said, I can work with these. Because they are not fearful. They put their complete confidence and trust in me. Not only that, they can keep their eyes on the kingdom while doing what is necessary to be done. Let me take these cats to the battle. He took 300 and defeated 135,000 by the night. And I can guarantee you, if the mind was voting based on the odds, Gideon would have missed it. But only an informed mind in God's word can vote for what the Spirit of God is saying. Abraham, 100 years old. Sarah, 75 years old, never had a child, deadness of the womb. She has a certificate from the doctor that she can't have a child. There's proof. And God said, you're going to have a child. Do you go with the senses or you go with the spirit? Hallelujah. Man, I'm telling you, every single day there's there's polling. There's a polling going on in your mind. Man, you are voting. Some of you are waiting to vote in 2019. Man, you vote every day. And your voting has to be informed if you're going to win. It has to be informed by God's word. Go with me to Hosea chapter number 4 verse 6. Is this good so far? Man, someone shout, I think straight. I think straight. And that's what you need to do. You need to start thinking. Man, Christians need to be taught how to think in line with God's word. Because as a man thinks in his heart. You know, I told you about the simulator. The simulator is basically uh, this thing that looks like a plane. It's not a real plane, but it looks like a plane. It's just a simulator. They put it out there and they take pilots to train them. And they can reproduce and replicate real life conditions in the simulator. Some of them have uh, hydraulic systems that can even make them, you know, feel the real life turbulence. Wow, they're just flying in the simulator. They haven't left to go anywhere. They're in this one spot, but they can feel the real deal as if they were in the uh, real environment in the simulator and they say if you can fly the jet a airbus a38 in the simulator you can fly it in real life if you can navigate the problems in the simulator you can navigate the problems in real life and your heart is the simulator if you can be prosperous in your heart you will be prosperous in the real world because as a man thinks in his simulator in his heart so easy the spies were grasshoppers in their simulators Walking around with a grasshopper mentality. And they became grasshoppers. Joshua and Caleb were victorious in their simulators. And they became victorious in real life. You know why? Because your heart is the simulator of your life. Your heart, your body, your circumstances don't know the difference between the real deal or the simulation. They treat it the same. That's why you could be at home sleeping. You haven't left your bed. But you had a dream running the comrades. By the time you snap out of the dream, you are drenched in sweat. But you never left your bed. You know why? Because your body was responding to the actions of your heart. Because your body doesn't know the difference between real running and running in your heart. (laughs) It just makes sure that it responds with consistency. Your life circumstances don't know whether... Yeah, you know, it just makes it consistent. If you're poor in your heart, he can't make you prosper. Man, listen, listen. God could make you win the lottery. If you're poor in the heart, we'll give you two years. You'll go back. 
<laughs> to poverty. If God blesses you with a Mercedes Benz and your heart is not the level of riding that Mercedes thing, man, you'll turn it to a Skorokoro. People will look at it and they say, man, this is supposed to be a nice car. This is a nice brand, but you will bring it to your level. That's just how it works. That's life. Everything that's in your heart is reproduced around you. If you're a junk collector, you know, I grew up in a mining town. If you like junk in your heart, people liked junk. I grew up in a mining town, so here's what would happen in almost the whole neighborhood. They're at work and doing, you know, work and so on and so forth, and then they'll take these big pieces of metal from, you know, the machine that are now redundant and they won't work for anything. And my dad would take that thing and put it on his bike and bring it home. He'd be like, yo, <laughs> what's that thing you brought? He's like, I oh, know they didn't want it at work. It's like, so what are we going to do with it? He says, no, I haven't thought about it yet. But we'll keep it in the junk section. Of Man, by the time you finish the year, you have a big pile of junk. Now, if you take that dude, I can guarantee you I love my dad and he knows I love him. And, you know, I'll, I'll say this if he was here. If we take him and bring him to uh, a Dane fan, man, he'll be bringing all kinds of metals in the thing. Because <laughs> that's how he relates to life. That's how you relate. Your life is simulated in your heart. Man, if you can fix the heart, you will fix your life. The Bible says he was faithful with the least, is faithful with much. Man, be faithful with the pictures that you paint in your heart. And I'm telling you, your life will change forever. Where did I tell you to go? Hosea, chapter number 4, verse 6. Let's go to the King James Bible. Uh, Hosea, chapter number 4, verse 6. Okay, let's read that one. Yeah, we're running out of time. We'll read that one. He says, my people, and this is what's said about that scripture. He says, my people. He didn't say the world. He didn't say the ungodly people. He didn't say the unbelievers. He didn't say the God-haters. He said, my kids, my kids. God is admitting that his kids are dying. They're being destroyed. He says, my kids, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? I didn't hear that. Because they're running around with minds that are uninformed and they keep voting for the wrong party. His kids are destroyed for a lack of of knowledge. Notice he didn't say my kids are destroyed for a lack of inspiration. Inspiration is great. But he says my kids are destroyed for a lack of information. You have to know how things work in the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Have you ever heard this statement? Uh, uh, this statement, ignorance is bliss? No, no, not according to this verse. Ignorance will kill you. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you're writing down notes, write this down. Ignorance and victory are impossible roommates. Ignorance and victory are impossible roommates. Ephesians 4, 17 to 18. So when your mind and your spirit become one, Life is released. Write that down. When your mind and your spirit become one or are in unison, life is released. It becomes a democracy. Whichever one gets to defeats the other. If you go with the sense realm, you defeat the victory that is in your spirit. Man, it doesn't get any more practical than this. 
You can use this to win in life. Start thinking in line with God's word. It's as simple as that. Start thinking in line with God's word. And as you do, you start winning in all the areas of your life. Start winning in your finances. Start winning in your marriage, in your relationships. Start winning in your life, at job, at work. You start seeing favor, but your mind has to vote in line with the word of God, with the spirit of God. Watch what he says. This is the Apostle Paul praying. He says, therefore, uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth walk not as the Gentiles walk. How do the Gentiles walk? With empty minds. Did you see it? says in the vanity of their minds. It says don't walk like those cats in the vanity of their minds. What does that produce? Next verse, verse 18. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through what? He's saying being separated from the life of God. That's what that word alienate means. It means to estrange. You know when you go on your Facebook and you click unfriend this person and then you block, what that means is there is no access. And that's what the word alienate means. It says ignorance unfriends us from the promises of God. And not only that, it blocks us from accessing the promise. So ignorance is dangerous. Ignorance will, man, you can't just be religious. You need some knowledge. Because it is knowledge that gives you a position of faith. It is what happens in your mind that releases faith. Amen? You know, I used to think faith was just this feeling that comes up on you. Sneaks up on you while you're at home, just minding your own business and just sitting and, you know, just chilling. And then faith comes on you. What what was that? That was faith. And then you start walking around, laying on things, and they start growing and they get healed. and, And then faith goes back. Faith is gone. What was that? Faith is gone. No, faith is exactly represented by the state of your mind. That's why in describing a man of doubt and unbelief, the Apostle James said, a double. He says the simplest way to describe a man of doubt and unbelief is double-mindedness. In other words, they say, I am in pain and I have joy at the same time. They say, I'm sick and I'm healed at the same time. They say, I'm poverty and I'm prosperity. They are double-minded. They need to choose a side. In describing Abraham's faith, he says he was single-minded in Romans chapter number 4, verse 17. He says Abraham was fully persuaded. Where does persuasion happen? Man, when you're fully persuaded, you're in faith. And a lot of people are waiting for a goosebump to step in faith. Or some supernatural to step. No, faith is simply full persuasion. Are you fully convinced that God wants you to prosper? Someone shout yes. yes. Some people are like, oh no, I'm not sure God would want me to prosper. So, you know, double-mindedness. And it says of that man, let that dude not think that he will receive anything from the Lord. Because a double-minded man is unstable in his ways. God wants stable people. How do you become stable? By becoming single-minded. Your mind has to become one with his word. And you will release faith. You can't be in between. It has to become one. 
There has to be a majority. And today, I want to encourage you with this. As you leave this place, you're going to get several opportunities to choose doubt and unbelief. To choose that which is of the senses. And let me, oh man, let me even tell you this. Sometimes it will make sense for you to choose defeat. Because the odds are always stacked against faith. Goliath and David, I already know who's going to win. Goliath. I mean, if I look at them, I already, dude is 10 feet, muscular. Dude is strong. Man, if I looked at it from the natural, I already know who's going to win. Two fish and five loaves of bread, 5,000 people. I already know who's going to die of hunger. I already know. Listen, if I deal with it from the flesh, I already know who's going to die of hunger. But I have to look at it from the spirit. If you look at it from the flesh, you almost lose all the time. And I have to quit because I'm out of time. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.